Hello, 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 and welcome to the Man in the Black Suit podcast. We've been having a little bit of issues today with this, unfortunately. We um, almost couldn't get you on there. So I hope everybody (laughs) can hear me, and uh, hopefully it'll all be good. Always It'll be great. It'll be great. Hello, everybody. How are you, Pam? <laughs> oh, God. Good. I can be heard. <laughs> How am I? I, I can hear you. Okay. We'll make sure that everyone else can hear us. Betty can. She said hi. Oh, yeah. She said hi, Pam. Yay. Okay. And I. <laughs> oh, Pam, are and you now, hitting the line already? <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's been a day. It has been a day. And guess what? I have a cocktail in my hand. So I'm raising my glass to you ladies. Hi, Betty. Hi, Kenzie. Hey, Hi, Lori. Well, raising my glass. I don't have a cocktail in my hand, but <laughs> I did have iced tea. So. Oh, well, iced tea is refreshing. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, Betty, it is a lovely view from Les Jules Verne. And I wonder, I'm, not... I'm wondering, do mm-hmm. they um, serve lemonade and iced tea at Les Jules Verne? <laughs> I'm going to Google that and okay, see. Okay, good luck. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> so, uh, we've, we, as I said, it's been an interesting day, and I'm just going to prep it so that anybody out in the ether can, can understand. Uh, I came across a Facebook group today, not connected with SR, uh, that was offering a PDF version of that particular author's books. Um, I am a firm believer that they should not be, that should not be handed out to anybody that's it's illegal, number one. It takes away from the writer. And so I am telling people that, you know, I will report you if you do that. I did it today. I took to the, uh, I, I took it to the publisher. I sent a note to the author and also the admin of that particular Facebook group. So I was a little, I'm a little concerned about because it, it does, that kind of stuff does bother me. And I saw earlier today that there was a uh, note from, I, I don't know whether it was one of the Spanish publishers or uh, Portuguese publishers for SR that have done SR's books. Somewhat saying that because of all the, the other copies that are out there that are being circulated in the translation of the language, um, that they were not going to be publishing that particular, those particular two volumes of, I'm, I'm not sure which one it was. So again, you do this, you're hurting everybody, the publisher, the author, and the readers, because there's, there's so many readers that want to be able to read these books and enjoy their books and sometimes won't be able to because of the stupidity of some people. So I'm going to get off my bandwagon now. <clears throat> and so, <laughs> and uh, we'll go. Well, look, I, I, you know, I agree with what you did. I think you did the right thing. As Betty says, it is terrible. Um, 
And people don't understand fully about the livelihood of a writer. Um, it can be very, very daunting. You don't go into writing to make money. You do it because it's a passion. It's something you love. Um, it's very far, few and far between. Uh, uh, that and, and so essentially when you circulate books for free like that, um, and it's, it's, it's tricky, right? Because what's the difference between lending a book that you bought to circulating the PDF? But you still have that instance of the book that you bought is something that you purchased. And some of that money went back to that author. And it's, it's, I, people don't understand how tough it is to make it as a writer. Um, and, and, and really it is stealing. I mean, that's essentially what it is when you do stuff like that, it is considered stealing. Um, even, you know, even in with the best intentions sometimes. And I, I do think most people do this because they just are so excited about the story. They want to share it with people. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any ill intention there, but, um, you know, we have to, we have to try uh, until, things change and the, the paradigm changes with published work, um, we need to kind of respect the system and respect the process. Right. You know, and so as Kenzie's, oh, go ahead, Pam. I was just going to say, you know, uh, one of the things, because I just like to see what's going on with SR every now and then, I have a Google alert set up for him. And mm -hmm. I have in the past been alerted to, PDFs of his stories out there and mm -hmm. how to go about getting them and everything. So I, I, I actually uh, sent messages to SR asking what he wants me to do with it. And I saved copies of everything. And I didn't download the book, but they saved the sites where they were. And mm -hmm. he asked me to please forward them to him and then he would take care of it from there. And I'm assuming they either go to his publisher or his attorney uh, to take care of on that end because it's it's yeah. daunting. It's funny. Yeah, I mean, usually it's a cease and desist type of thing. You get the letter from the attorney. The attorney says, "Please take this down," or "Please Do stop distributing," um, or else this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as Kenzie noted on the chat, I try to report the Gabriel's Inferno audiobook that people put on YouTube but I can't because it doesn't infringe my work. So it seems like the authors have to report it themselves. And I do not want to upset SR, but it's upsetting to see someone steal his work or any authors for that matter. I, I've been I thinking about telling him or not, but I'm not sure if it's right. Um, it. As Pam just il illustrated, I think, yes. Right, Pam, what do you think? Well, I I was going to say, is that, is, is that SR's attorney now? Uh, probably. <laughs> and, and to be honest with you, the author that, that this particular thing was going on with today is a very well-known author um, and has is very well published and very well uh, compensated for what the work is, that has been done. Um, but right. I, you know, it's still, it's still, you know, even with a high-profile author, you know, it, what's right is right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's tricky business. Mm -hmm. so, 
anyway, like I said, getting off my soapbox here. We got all kinds of fun things coming up. Lots of goodness. Lots of goodness coming. Well, we have, uh, you know, the Gabriel's Promise coming out December 3rd. So you can pre-order. Uh, I know that uh, SR has links. Uh, well, and in fact, I, I'm, I, I'm happy to say that I finally pre-ordered Gabriel's Promise this week. There you go. <laughs> yes, it was so easy to do. Mm -hmm. And just so excited that it's waiting. It's going to be waiting, waiting, waiting for me on December 3rd. Exactly. Exactly. I've got my, uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for the audio to, to come through to Audible so I can uh, use my credit on that. Nice. And uh, I've got the Kindle version done and the uh, book itself. So since I'm, I'm a sucker for all three. And I'm going to have to reread, reread them all before again oh, yeah. and re-listen to them all before again. Yes. Yes. I'm listening to, uh, uh, whatchamacallit now, um, Redemption, Gabriel's Redemption. Mm -hmm. so. I love that one. I think that's my favorite. I don't know. I love them all. It's like your children, right? How can you choose just one? You can't. Um, <laughs> Kenzie said she ordered that immediately so fast she almost broke her fingers on her keyboard. <laughs> Lori did as well. And Betty says she's waiting for iTunes to set the link for the audiobook. Hopefully think, that'll be soon. Yeah, hopefully. I think the only one that's offering the audiobook right now for pre-order is Google Play. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm looking. I am a very excited looking forward to all of it. So. Yes, and, and earlier I do love this. I do love that Betty said this, so I wanted to share it um, that she wrote when we were talking about the books and the importance of um, respecting the author. She said, a book is a work of love. It must be treated with respect and love. And I just, I thought that was beautiful. So yes, Betty, yes. As always, you were right on point. So the, uh, let's see what else. We've got the French versions of The Prince and... Um uh, Raven. Yes, yes. That are now available in French. Viva la France. This is all about the French today, baby. All about the French. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I know that the Florentine series is being uh, translated into Italian. Uh, the Prince should be released in April and the Raven in October. And uh, let's see, uh, uh, Passion Flicks with the movie. Uh, they're still, uh, as far as I know, they're still working on the script. They're somewhere in that area. Uh, I asked SR in a chat room. He has not physically seen the script yet. But oh my gosh. Everything is on track for filming in Toronto. In the oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But come on, there has to be a script. It has to be in some version. There has to be a script. <laughs> come on. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, what else is going on? Oh, I so many. Well, you know, I mean, it's all, exciting. It's, it's all exciting. And I love all the translations that are coming out. It makes me want to learn all these different languages. Mm -hmm. As, as, uh, Betty says, Willie is finally speaking French. Ooh, la, la. <laughs> Kenzie said she wishes they would give him some updates soon. So do I. And she also thinks she might message SR about the, uh, the YouTube issue that she came across. 
And she hopes that he does another book signing because she really would like a signed copy, although she says Pages is just so expensive with the shipping, though. But, man, it would be great if he did another book signing. We might have to – you know what, Pam? I think we might have to slip that in our next uh, round of questions to him to say, just to put on the radar, do you think maybe possibly – yeah, you think we could do another signing, mm-hmm. round of signing? I, I know it's going to get unruly, though. I, I you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a hard thing to manage, especially when you're, when you're a very private person who's not going out on the circuit, so to speak, doing the book signings. But I do think I, I would really, really love to have a signed copy of, of that. Mm-hmm. And I know I've got other cop. I've got two copies of each of the quarantine series, so have, except for the romance. So I'll have to check to see if he signed them. I don't remember mm-hmm. whether he did or didn't. Anyway, so some good ones. There yes, are. Lori. Lori says, "Please do Leslie and Pam." So I think we have homework, Pam. Okay. Sounds like. I'll sounds ask like him. Plan. Sounds like he can plan. tell me. You know, he could he could say. We'll see, or maybe, or he'll take it under advisement. See, I I know that um, occasionally. I know the logistics are tough. They are, and I think I could be wrong, but I think sometimes some people have been sending books to Nina, and Nina will forward them to him. He'll sign them Mm. and forward them back. I think that has happened in the past. I don't know, but yeah, you can just check with Nina on that who also has a good book coming out. She's gotten a lot of good reviews. Uh, that's, I think the book's coming out in August. It's coming out this, yeah, I was going to say, it's coming out in a couple months. And yeah. I actually, um, I'm, I loved Roman Crazy, her work that she did with Alice Clayton. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see this. I mean, Nina has a really, really strikingly funny wit. Um and it's so much fun, and she's, she just has this personality that's bigger than life. Mm-hmm. At least it comes through in her writing. I've never personally met her, um, though we live so close. It's crazy that we haven't um, connected yet. Um, I think and, and, something. She's coming to Philadelphia soon. Oh, well, then maybe we can see her there. I, I've actually oh, talked. Oh, I've actually texted her. Well, not texted her, but I, I tweeted or messaged her about trying to get together at some point and I thought I'd have a shot um, next week my colleague had a meeting in Scranton and she's not too far from that neck of the woods and um, unfortunately the meeting is scheduled when I have another commitment or else I was going to try and ride up with her and see if I could you know connect with Nina but Mm -hmm. hopefully um, we will. I see KK has joined us. Hello, Karen. Good to see you. Um, I know Kenzie had, or, or Betty mentioned that the beauty of the bo- man in the black suit is that the boss autographed the book, so everyone gets a special autograph, That's true. which is true. Um, Kenzie said that she's not looking forward to the filming for Gabriel's Inferno, just because SR will be so busy, he won't be very active. She says, LOL, I'm ridiculous. You are totally not ridiculous. Um, I don't know how busy he's going to be with filming, though. I would be curious because some authors will let it go. You know, they'll hand the book over and let the let the 
movie people do their magic. Other authors want to be on set and follow things minute by minute. So it'll be curious to see how SR approaches things. Yeah, um, I don't know. If, I don't know if he has he mentioned any of that in any of the chats. I haven't heard. I haven't seen him no, mention anything like that. Not too much. He's been mm -hmm. um, talking about. We, I, we've been. Everybody's been asking him about a cameo. Oh yeah, yeah. Betty yes. thinks Betty also thinks he might be MIA when there's filming, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. know. I, also, you know, I, he's, he's very so involved with the Toronto International Film Festival. I, mm -hmm. I think he's a volunteer. Me volunteer. I I don't know 100, percent but we've talked about it because when I went up last year, and I think filming's going to be happening around the same time as TIFF. And that's usually uh, like a 10-day window starting um, the weekend after Labor Day, or Labor Day, and uh, going through uh, the following week. Uh, there's four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are the big days mm -hmm. where they have the super premieres and they've closed the streets. And then the other days, there were other films that are going to be coming through. Uh, Private War with Jamie Dornan was like that. It came the, the end at the end at the last weekend. So, uh, you know, so who knows? Who knows? So we essentially need to camp out in Toronto um, during the month of September. Yeah, I'm going to move Is in. Is that what I'm hearing? Toronto, <laughs> Toronto has notorious raccoons. And, mm -hmm. when, and I, so if you ever see me tweet to him, and how are the raccoons doing? When we were there, I didn't realize they had such a problem. And uh, when we were there, like all I was always wondering, Pam, I was always wondering about that, Pam. I am so glad you clarified that because I remember seeing that one time. I was like, I got to ask Pam about what's the raccoon deal. They, now, they have, now I know. They have these T-shirts about, you know, getting rid of the raccoons and all this. It's like the stuff. bats in Austin. Austin, Texas yeah. is known for the bats, although yeah. people embrace the bats. They're all about the bats down there. I don't know, Lori, if you've ever made it down to Austin, because I know it's far from you, even though you're out in that neck of the woods. But, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. They're very embrace. They very much embrace the embrace the bats. Yeah. So. Exactly. So, I you know, but that's the story of the raccoons. Um, mm -hmm. I know that they had they caught one climbing a building one time, a skyscraper, mm -hmm. and it gotten like thirty floors up. Um. SR mentioned oh one God. that had climbed up a, a crane. And mm. uh, I, I, uh, it's funny because there's this uh, Twitter feed, Toronto Gasms, I think it is. And mm -hmm. uh, that uh, Cran just posted. And it has a raccoon coming off of a building going into a rain, the rain gun. <laughs> now, whether it went all the way down, I don't know, but it got itself in. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So they, that's I thought, funny. And then, I had no idea. Yeah, and then of my friend Sarah, who lives up in Toronto, she was saying that it's awful. It's awful. If they could poison them all. They would. Mm. But Canadians are very kind, even to their little furry, furry friends. Well, and, of course, that's uh, why we love Canadians. <laughs> and because uh, I offered my son. <laughs> to SR with his <laughs> traps since he's a licensed exterminator. But um, so he laughed. He says, 
We need an army. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just looking in the chat room and everyone's been chatting frantically. I know KK said she met Nina at a book signing for Roman Crazy at her hometown, Barnes and Noble with Joyce. And I remember seeing that and I could not go and I was so bummed Um, because I would love to meet, I'd also love to meet Alice Clayton because her books, if you've not read them, are very, very, very funny um, and very charming. So Alice Clayton, highly recommend. If you haven't read her, definitely go out and download her books. Um, Kenzie said, SR won't just hand over the book. He cares too much about pleasing his readers. I know, Kenzie, I was thinking the same. Um, Betty said maybe he'll be there if the director has questions about filming special scenes. I think SR wants to make sure the book is true to his vision. So I do think he's going to be involved. But I'll be curious. Just, and he's not going to tell us. You know he's not going to tell us. But I am still want to ask the question. I'll keep it um, Maybe it's the man I saw. In a- <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. If we, when we are up there and if we see that same man, I am going to be cracking up. <laughs> I will be laughing so hard. We can, one can only hope. Um, I love all the discussion about the bats um, and the raccoons. Um, I think that's so funny. Um, and as KK says, they're not afraid of people and they're all out all the time. Betty says in New York, they have a rat problem. Yeah, I think well, that's pizza, been pretty standard. Right. But you're near water. I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's just kind of the way it is. The, the best rat picture I ever saw coming out of New York, and I have seen them run around in the subway, so it's, I know that uh-huh. um, was It was after St. Patrick's Day this past year. Apparently there was a dead rat on the sidewalk, and somebody took one of those little uh, bottles of mm-hmm. alcohol, uh, whatever liquor, I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but it was empty. And they had <laughs> it so it was at the rat's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was past or something. Like that. <laughs> well, Kenzie wrote, foxes aren't the nicest creatures either, but they were everywhere in Wisconsin. She always enjoyed watching them. Oh, they're very cute, yeah. They are. And Betty said, Kenzie, you need to write a book as well. The Many Adventures of Kenzie. <laughs> Kenzie, and that would be a good thing for you. I know. Kenzie, you can write at any time. That's right. Never too soon to start. <laughs> You're ahead of us. You're ahead of us in the, you know, in the opportunity. You you have a lot of opportunities ahead of you because of where you are in your life's journey. So That's true. very exciting. Um, no, I know no, not to put the downer <laughs> on it, but as I will tell you, it's never too late to follow your dream. Well, I was just going to say that because that's that's the whole purpose, right? Mm-hmm. You can always change your direction, and that's something you have to be very mindful about. Um, I've learned that. I've I've witnessed that. I've seen people who've completely done incredible life changes at all different ages and stages. I know someone who. Um, started a school and did a totally new path at the age of 65. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's possible. Um, Kenzie said she ended up on her writer's wall of fame at her school. That does not surprise me, Kenzie. You do have that literary soul. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. And she said he encouraged her to go after being a professional photographer. And that meant everything. 
It, it does. It's great to have people in your corner. Um, and Betty asked about Karen's raccoon's name, which I just think is great. Um, a pet raccoon growing up is very, very cool, KK. Mm-hmm. And as she also mentioned about it's true. It's just finding your path. And a lot of times you have to try many different paths until you find one that feels right for you. That's right. <laughs> and God bless so. you. And I am still looking for my path. And uh, I want to be Catherine Picton when I grow up, I've decided. <laughs> I'll tell you what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a backup dancer for Cher because let me tell you, I saw Cher in concert two weeks ago, a week and a half ago in Las Vegas during our 50 States extravaganza. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, that's what I want to do. They looked like they had so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I could cut it anymore. Although I could do most of what they were doing, I have to say. I still I still am an active dancer. I still take classes and I still perform, but you know, I'm not twenty five anymore. I'm not in I'm not in Kenzie and Bed, Betty age range anymore. Oh, I know. So. My knees are are selling me you're not dancing tonight, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're gonna be singing, singing Pam. And I, t- I took <laughs> well, I took Irish step dancing for a couple of years. When I oh my gosh! As an adult, and my I could not do it now because of my knees. Well, you know what? That would kill your knees. That's it a, that's difficult knees. stuff. So. Oh, Lori's cracking me up. Leslie, your life is exciting too. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I'm not going to deny my my life has taken some really interesting turns, um, and I'm incredibly grateful. Honestly, every day is a gift. So. Uh, Karen says the name is Racky Raccoon. Love it. Racky Raccoon. Raccoon. Lived in this the... room. I couldn't remember the words, but I know that tune. Love the Beatles. Love, love, love. That was a joke song my cousin Eddie and I used to sing all the time when we were younger. I don't think Eddie, and he used to play it on guitar, and I don't think he could do that anymore. Anyway. So, so it, it's like 5.30. We haven't even started talking about the chapter yet. Yeah. <laughs> Betty is cracking me up, too. Do you see this? Leslie, what are you talking about? You're 27 years old. You can be Cher's backup well, dancer. That's right. <laughs> Betty, you're so right, of course. I know, Mackenzie says she's 21 and already has back pain. Not fun, LOL. <laughs> Kenzie, I, you and my daughter need to get together. My daughter's 23, and her hips are killing her. Her knees are killing her. I was like, we have to get, try and figure out how to get some alignment going. Um, but part of it is she's she's a dancer, and dancers kind of destroy their bodies. Um, I've been trying to be very careful as I go along um, because, you, you know, you do have to take, take care of yourself. You do. So, cake. Um, <laughs> KK says her raccoon would get passed by mom, would get passed by pass her mom and then run upstairs and unmake all the beds. <laughs> I love it. That is hilarious. This is my raccoon story. It's actually my sister's oh my gosh. raccoon story. So, and then, then we can go on. My uh, sister and brother in law's bedroom uh, had a tree. Have, it, it's got the porch roof and it had a tree that came up and sort of went along the porch roof. 
and their cat would go out their bedroom window. Couldn't jump out in the roof, go down the tree, do whatever she was he was going to do, and then come back later on. So my sister used to keep a, a bowl of dry cat food near the window. So Sherwood wouldn't have to go too far because Sherwood was getting old. And <laughs> my they were in bed one night. My, my sister was in bed, their dog, Sam, and uh, Jimmy was on the computer in their bedroom. And it's dark except for the computer screen because my brother, you know, to keep my, for my sister. Mm -hmm. And he heard, he heard a noise chewing, and he looked to see if Sherwood had come in the window. And it was this huge raccoon. <laughs> and it was <laughs> a radiator eating the cat food. And my brother-in-law didn't know what to do because he figured if he scared it and it decided to go into the room to get away, that it was going to upset my sister big time. It would... Oh my gosh, I'm sure. have gone off the wall um, trying to get at it and then trying to get the damn thing out of the house. So um, he slowly turned around and I guess the chair made a noise. Unfortunately, the damn thing went out the window. So poor Sherwood from that point on was never allowed to go in and out their bedroom window because the <laughs> may come in again. So... That is my raccoon story. Oh my gosh, Pam. Another chapter for your book. It's not my book, it's her book. As I, I always laugh, say. I just laugh at it. I just laugh <laughs> it's funny at the time. I love it. I love it. As KK says, yes, take care of yourselves. You don't want to end up like me with chronic pain. Honestly, chronic pain is so, so tough. And I really hope that you're having a good day, Karen, because I know you can have really good days and really not good days. So it's really challenging. Um, and sometimes chronic pain comes without any warning and not because of anything that you do. So it's it's really, really challenging. Pam, <laughs> how many volumes are you writing, asks Betty. <laughs> Let's see. I think I'm on my 20th volume right now. <laughs> well, and speaking of writing, yes. I think we need to <laughs> turn so. our attentions <laughs> to our beloved SR. Um, yes, because this is a chapter that we loved. In fact, we loved it so much, we wanted to split it into two because we thought we'd have so much time um, talking about it. And here we've talked halfway through the process podcast without even getting into it um but it's it's such a juicy chapter there's so much that goes on there and of course the setting is the utmost in romantic backdrops right oh yeah the Eiffel Tower second so, floor oh my gosh and we start um we start at Le Verne located on the second floor of the Eiffel Tower and as Pam found out, it's currently under construction and due to be open May 2019. Um, yes, as pa as Betty says, let's go back to our date with Nicholas. Um, I, I feel a little underdressed right now in my blue jeans. So, uh, I need to be sporting a beautiful cocktail dress like Acacia. Exactly. Um, 
Nicholas was able to get a reservation at sunset at this beautiful venue, which is very hard to do, oh, unless you're Nicholas. I, I wonder how far out you have to res have, have to go to reserve. Well, when, um, I went, when I went to call for my reservation, mm -hmm. they told me I was out about three months. Wow. So wow. Um, I went in October. I should have called during the summer for the reservation as opposed to mm. what we did. Which was, I Good was in no. London at the time. It was like a week or two before. And I bet now it's even tougher because they're under construction. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure. I don't. You have all these people waiting to get into the I don't know who mm -hmm. the chef was when, when that, at that point. And they have another chef now. If you go to their website, you can just Google uh, Jules Verne and it'll mm -hmm. come up. And they do have an English website, language wise. It doesn't have a menu yet, though. Uh, they, right. The, the uh, um, chef did not put one up there yet. But, yeah. So, Nicholas has some pull. Let me put it that way. Of course. <laughs> and Betty says she wishes she was Acacia because she wants to be enjoying a delicious meal with a handsome man. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as they were sitting at the table, perfect for sunset, the chef came out to clap. Nicholas on the back as if they were old friends. And of course, because Nicholas knows everybody, right? Uh, of course and he does. Of course he does. Acacia was thankful she had learned through her hospitality training to be able to sit quietly poised when she was. Yeah. And that comment really resonated with me. I don't know if it resonated with any of you guys, but I remember thinking, I'm really glad I had been in this situation or that situation, or I, you know, I had theater training, or I'm glad that I was, I was trained um, in hospitality because I knew that I needed to kind of sit still and be quiet. Um, you know, sometimes when you're nervous, you need to kind of pull it together and be able to be um, very poised. Count me and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you would say that, Pam. <laughs> I get very nervous, trust me. If I'm in, mm -hmm. not in my purview, I get very nervous. <laughs> like most people. It's understandable. Mm -hmm. Karen agrees, absolutely. And she, and Nikasi was also thankful for the clothes she brought, or she had bought while she was with Nicholas as his assistant. I love, and here again, SR, very, very descriptive, and we know he always pays attention to what a woman wears, especially. And the dress shoes. she was wearing was, and, and of course, the shoes, which, of course, his attention to footwear makes me adore him even more because I love a great shoe and especially a great stiletto. So, and he always writes, he writes shoes well. I, as I like to say, yes, um, <laughs> the dress she was wearing was black lace with colorful embroidered flowers. She wore her hair in curls hanging by her chin and high heels. So Nicholas would not have to bend down as far to kiss her. She had her hamsa ramped around her chin and the necklace that Nicholas gave her on her neck. You can just, you can just see she, I know she looked stunning. Um, and I'm, I'm laughing. Betty said, 
<laughs> she was laughing. I'm anything but poised and graceful when I'm nervous. Of course, Acacia wore stilettos. Why would she wear anything else? I know, Listen, right? You say the word stilettos <laughs> and the tears just run down my cheeks because the ball oh, yeah. of my foot would be I Last time the I pain. wore any, like, any high, height of a heel, I was, they were off in five minutes because I couldn't walk in them. I actually had someone yesterday. I had someone for a work event yesterday, and you have to understand now. I'm not. I don't go into an office setting daily, so I usually can be very um, casual and informal. And sometimes I'm working out of the house, so I, I could literally be in my, my pajamas. But I was at a work event last night, and I actually had on some stilettos, and I can't wear them for long periods of time. Um, at least this pair, because it gives me a blister. But I still, I love them. I love them. I love them. I wish I could wear them all the time. Well, we could all be like Meghan Markle, and you <laughs> two sizes too big. And <laughs> I love it. When your feet swell, they have a place to go. <laughs> well, especially in her condition, right? Well, yeah, I love it. I, I Betty, any pregnant woman. Oh, I honestly, I do too. I, I, I would totally be pulling out the flats by this point. Um, <laughs> Betty says, every time a leading lady wears stilettos, Mr. Twitchy gets happy. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Twitchy does. Most and KK says, she loves the idea of them. Yes, but I'm also a very big advocate for comfort. Um, so, you know, I think a, a, a well-designed shoe um, I have to say, though, the really, really good stilettos that are well-designed are not painful. So, you know, there, there is something to design. It's kind of, you know, an engineering feat, I think. Mm -hmm. So after the chef left, Nicholas gazed upon Nikasi and told her how beautiful she was, which was so lovely. She thanked him and then was looking out at the skyline. How beautiful, she thought. The lights of Paris had begun to shine. Buildings, both historical and skyscrapers, were lit. The sun was gently flowing in the distance. She had a difficult time taking her eyes away. You have to, you know, and we have to remember, Acacia loves living in Paris. I mean, this is a dream for her. And um, she kind of has, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the Sex in the City episodes where, you know, a real big piece of, of that show was the love affair with New York City itself. Mm -hmm. So this, that, this book kind of reminds me of that in terms of the love affair with the city of light. Um, so Acacia had made many reservations at this restaurant, but had never, ever expected to be able to dine there, as she told Nicholas. He wanted to lay Paris at her feet. He told her as he took her hand, it is breathtaking. I mean, come on. That is, the romance is just oozing here. I, and I totally love it. Um, I can tell my daughter would be rolling her eyes. That's so cheesy, mom. It's so <laughs> corny. It's over the top. I absolutely loved it. But it's so true. Wanted to lay Paris at her feet. Ah, Please lay Paris at my feet. I'm ready. Sign me up. I can take my shoes off. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it. 
Um, so <laughs> Betty said, whatever Ni Adidas or Nike comes up with a special stiletto that won't cause pain, then that's the day she'll wear stilettos day and night. <laughs> Lori agrees. Betty said, I wonder if the boss has ever heard of kitten heels. <laughs> we love over the top. There's nothing wrong with that. I agree. So I love just, as I just tweeted about joining us because we're in the, the thing right now. And I said, we're testing <laughs> stilettos and how well you write shoes. And <laughs> he said, one can visit the museum for research at uh, <laughs> shoe museum. <laughs> Oh my gosh. He is hilarious. He is so funny. I love it. I, that's right. I do appreciate his, his appreciation of fine footwear. I have to tell, I have to tell you. I love it. So Nicholas was really, really enjoying his time with Acacia. Um, he kind of turned his attention to asking her how other things in her life were, about Claude. Akasi said he was good and happy that she was home. And she hoped that he and Claude would become friends. Nicholas told her he was not a cat person, but he would try to get to know one another with Claude. And then the question comes out, have you spoken with Luke? And, you know, you knew that was coming. Like, I remember when he was back, you know, I remember when I was first reading this, I kept thinking, he's going to ask about Luke. He's going to ask about Luke. And, it, and SR never disappoints because he did. Acacia told him that he texted him and that Luke wanted to come over right away. And she was able to put him off until tomorrow. <laughs> Which you can imagine, right? I don't think Nicholas was too happy about it, to be honest. No, no, no. And Betty was so funny. She says, the boss and his campus research. I have to say, Betty, love the research. Uh, well, love it. Research is important. Um, <laughs> and by the way, Leslie, this uh, museum is in Toronto. <gasps> we might have to go. I think we may have to take a visit. Anyway. And I see Joni <laughs> just joined us. Joni, hello. Oh. Joni, so happy to see you. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to make it to this time frame. So glad you could join us. We're enjoying chapter 43. We got a late um, start in the actual chapter. We've been chatting about all kinds of wonderful things today. So we're just talking about Acacia and Nicholas's beautiful dinner in New York or New York in Paris, in Paris. and um, the fact that uh, Cassia Nicholas asked about Luke and now uh, Acacia mentioned that he wants to see her and she's able to put Luke off until tomorrow and Nicholas is not too happy. Well, Nicholas is never too happy about certain things, especially yeah. when it comes to uh, uh, Luke. Uh, you know, he looked around as Akasi was looking around the restaurant, she noticed that it was full. And she would probably be heard around the restaurant. So she lowered her voice and told Nicholas that she was not looking forward to it. Mm. He was worried about her. He said that when she was at the Vitois and wondering about the painting that was in his hotel room, she had called him and he had come right over. So at that very moment, the waiter has come to save the day with uh, his amuse-bouche. 
of marinated white fish and radish. Now that we all know what that means, yes. because bread SR, except for Karen, who had known that from her culinary training. Sure. And if you look at any of the uh, nicer restaurants in Toronto, mm -hmm. they all have an amused bush in there. Just I love it. Yeah. I love it. So as Nicholas is stabbing at his fish, he told her that it was his job. He is BRB after all. <laughs> and Cassia was trying to assure him that she could handle Luke. And, uh, <laughs> as she's tasting the fish that was buttery and flavorful. Incredible. Nicholas was being a tad jealous and told her she would not have to hand, she would have to handle him. He should mind his manners. <laughs> you know, is he jealous much? I mean, come on. Acacia said that um, now that he knows about Luke, could he tell her about Silky? All right, right. Mm. Now, first of all, before we even get into that piece, and before you go into the questions that we posed to SR, I just wanted to say, was anyone else getting hungry reading this chapter? Because... <laughs> The description of the menu items made me want to go and raid my refrigerator, uh -huh. <laughs> but there was, but there was nothing there that would match like the stuff that they were serving for dinner. Uh -huh. I just thought again, it was a great attention to detail and was so happy that SR had that. And, um, KK mentioned that the amuse bouche is coming back to finer restaurants, especially with the chef menus. Um, I can say that I was surprised there was one or two places in Athens or actually in Greece, I think on the islands when I was traveling there that served what they determined to be amuse-bouche. And I thought that was interesting because I never, ever encountered that phrase until I read this book. The only time that it ever did come close for me, um, mm -hmm. well, we were in Ireland, uh, my husband oh, yeah. and I, and we we were in um, uh, one of the castles. It wasn't Ashford. Mm -hmm. It was Dromoland Castle. And my husband and I had gone in to have dinner, and you had to dress to go into the restaurant, so that was fine. And we went in and sat down, and, and you know, I embarrassed myself because a sommelier had to pour the wine, and I went to pour the <laughs> wine, so what can I tell you? Um, hmm. But you know, we were eating, and they, you know, we'd ordered all our dishes and stuff, and the waiter came out with these nice little dishes, and he goes, "Oh, this is something the chef is trying," and that was the amuse bush, and it was a fish. It was really good. I mean, this is the type of restaurant where you had forks, like five one way, knives about with fish knives, about five the other way. Oh my gosh! You know. Cake, fork, and spoon above. I mean, it just, yeah, I was embarrassed by pouring my own wine, so. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I think it's really cool. Karen mentioned that farm to table has been a big push. Kay, uh, Kenzie wanted to mention that she would like to read SR. Research journals. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, Am I losing you? Betty also would said that this chapter should come with the meal, which I full heartedly agree. Um, I don't know. Okay. I was Kenzie. Thank you for saying that. Cause I was thinking, I'm not sure 
what's going on. At one point, Kenzie was having trouble hearing you, Pam. Can I um, but she said, too? "Oh, good, good, good. Okay, we want everyone to be able to hear, um, especially after the past few podcasts where I've been um, podcasting from." From the road. And points very noisy or with bad connectivity. So um, I'm really, really sorry. I, I really, really thought last week was going to be so quiet and it was so noisy. And I apologize again for that. But it did add a festive atmosphere, I hope. True. So, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Um, so, Pam, so, what did we ask SR? So we asked. Uh, Nicola had asked if Acacia had Luke and had a sour expression when Acacia said Luke wanted to see her. Uh, was Nicholas surprised when she told him Luke's intentions? And why was Acacia annoyed when Nicholas pressed her about Luke? One of the things that we noticed was Nicholas's fear about discussing Sylph. Why? And his response was, I think the issues surrounding Luke and Silka involved jealousy. But the situation with Silka is a little more troubling since Nicholas paid her to be his companion. In effect, he was confessing to paying an escort. Uh, perhaps Acacia was worried uh, about the genesis of, the, of her relationship. Okay, you actually cut out on that answer. I couldn't hear that. I'm not sure if everybody could hear that um, would you mind repeating that one more time? I will repeat it. Uh, okay. It says, I think the issues surrounding Luke uh, and Silk involve jealousy. But the situation with Silk is a little more troubling since Nicholas paid her to be his companion. In effect, he was right. confessing to pay an escort. Perhaps Acacia mm -hmm. also worries about the genesis of her relationship with Nicholas. Betty said she would feel awkward too, and she thought these were good questions. Yeah, I, when, I mean that's one of the things I was thinking about when I was putting this together. Is what you know? It's he, he's like nervous too. You know, he's he's got mm -hmm. which is great because it's you know I know they're both get learning to get come along, get along with each other, and you know they're finding out all these different things about each other. So I can understand that, but it just, mm -hmm. for a man who is so self-possessed and willing to be, go undercover to, to get into a black, the black market. It, right. It's, it's, you know, the dichotomy of this is <coughs> ridiculous. It's funny. Not ridiculous. Right. But funny. Mm -hmm. So, um, when she had asked about Silka, uh, he said, she said, why is it in a pleasant tale? Because she was curious. And, and besides, he knew all her secrets. And I think that was such a big thing for her. Mm -hmm. I think that was so big. He knew everything and she knew nothing. Right. And I think that imbalance of power was, was grating on her a little bit. Yeah. And, and you know, you could see in, 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 when you read his into him, when he's getting ready to respond, he's like nervous or embarrassed, stressed, mm -hmm. um, right. looking for the right way to put everything. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one of the reasons why they... Well, that's right. You can't put lipstick on a pig, right? No, you can't. <laughs> can. mm -hmm. So once the waiter clear things uh, for the next course, 
which of course was blue lobster with the vinaigrettes. Oh, I know. My uh, mouth is wet. <laughs> um, you know, Acacia prompts him, and as he smooths out the tablecloth, he begins. He says, you saw Silk with the American in the, you know, the paparazzi pictures. And uh, Acacia has and thought they were disgraceful. And she, he tells her that they had a business arrangement and Silka was part of his cover. He needed someone who could blend in and out of social situations with ease. She had a salary, an apartment that he paid for, and she would travel a few times of the year with him. So now Acacia's like clangs the fork to the uh, plate. Right. On the other I think that I think that shocked her. Honestly, I do. Yeah, I think I that think just so like too. blew her mind. And as Betty says, I was curious, but sometimes I'd rather not know everything. Mm -hmm. And KK's oh. going to run. Thank you for joining Bye, us. Karen. I hope you had so much fun with Morgan and Jennifer this past week. I want to talk to you about that. I just haven't been able to call. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Thanks for joining time. us. So he's going on. She says, she's like, well, you paid her. And uh, she's covering her mouth so she could muffle her voice a little bit. And Nicholas told her that he would not have traveled with him otherwise. Uh, and he was laughing without any kind of amusement. Mm. Uh, one of his associates had introduced them under a different guise. And she had tried to get out of the obligation when she saw the scar. Which that pissed me off, too. Um, she oh, my gosh. She couldn't bear to look at me. And Acacia cringed. And she's like, oh, Nicholas. And I, and I think she really felt bad for him at that time. I, I do, too. I really do. Betty says the fact that Nicholas slept with Silka, even though he had to pay her, shows he is insecure. Yeah, he which does have a lot of insecurity, suffice Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, like the dichotomy. But that's sometimes, you know, people will put on that front. You know, Nicholas and Acacia are very much the same in some ways. You know, they have this this mask. They have this this yeah. public persona. They have their, their personal. And I actually think in a way it's probably mirroring a little bit of SR in the fact that he has this public persona mm -hmm. and he has this personal one. And not just SR, but I think all of us in some way, you know, you, you, you show yourself, you reveal your innermost self mm -hmm. to only a few people and you have, you know, other selves that you portray um, sometimes too. So it's kind of interesting how that works yeah. out. Um, Betty says the low self-esteem is there and that's true. <laughs> Kenzie says she hates her. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the so, things... Well, Silka was horrible to Nicholas. I mean, just horrible to him. And anyone who is that cold-hearted just is... One of the things I wondered, um, after listening and reading, you know, all the different series and books, mm -hmm. it seems like all the bitchy women in his books, whether they be vampire or human, are mm. redheaded. I so noticed that, too. I wonder if he has an issue with redheaded. <laughs> I'm wondering if he had been scorned by a redhead or if, um, on the contrary, he's just very attracted to them and just thinks it would be fun to write them in a, a negative context. I don't know. I don't know. That could be. Although Bruce Springsteen had the redheaded woman song that 
Betty says, I wanted to give Nicholas a hug when he confessed that. Um, I, yeah, he just, he was hurting. I agree with you, Betty. Mm -hmm. And she said, of course, I'll accept Krista and Professor Payne because they were not redheads. But Krista was a nasty piece of work. I I agree. They could have dyed their hair. <laughs> Lori wants us to ask him about that. <laughs> I will wait. Hey, you know, Were you scorned by redheads? Um, is that why you write? <laughs> he might be very captivated by redheads. I have a feeling. They could be. Well, redheads are, can be very captivating. Depending. Mm. I mean, I have a friend who's got orange hair. Red hair. Mm. Oh, wow. And I have my sister has a good friend who has is a redhead, but it's that dark red auburn. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, Patty's hair is orange and kinky curly. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love it. And I remember in high school, she'd sit there and she'd comb it down and stick bobby pins in it to make it flatter in spots. So. You always want the hair you don't have. It's so funny. Exactly. exactly. Betty says maybe redheads intimidate him. It's possible. It's possible. They can be intimidating. <laughs> well, as Nicholas confessed, you know, he continued that despite Silka's mercenary heart, she had one loyalty. She actually worked in intelligence, and Nicholas couldn't tell Acacia about which service she worked for. Um, but Nicholas actually did uh, investigate in Silka before the arrangement and found out then uh, exactly who she was working for. During one of their trips, one thing led to another, and his relationship did turn sexual. Um, and they continued the relationship until she took up with the American. Acacia had a feeling of horror cross over her. She really hadn't thought about the relationship before becoming involved with him. And she noticed that his hurt was fresh. Again, the jealousy mm -hmm. just kind of zinging through the, through the room. Um, you know, but I remember thinking, well, come on, Acacia. Like, of course he had, he, she knew that she had, he had a relationship with her and she knew it, it was sexual. I mean, the, the, the gifts that she regifted back and got money for charity for were, you know, you know, these were not Girl Scout cookies. I mean, lingerie. we're talking a lot. We're talking fine lingerie. I mean, so I think intellectually knowing is one thing, but knowing in your heart is another. And I feel like that was that great, you know, that great jealousy just kind of struck her. And, you know, <laughs> in their mid to late thirties, Mm-hmm. You know, the people aren't necessarily um, saying It's a so. different, right. It's a very different, and I think that's a, you know, Pam, excellent point. As Betty says, covering my ears when he said the sexual part. Um, but I think your perception really switches and shifts from being a teenager to being someone reading this in their 20s. And mm -hmm. Kenzie, feel free to pipe up here. because um, And Betty, I mean, you guys are different kind of at different ages and stages of life. Um, it is a different perspective when you're talking about someone being in your 20s 
versus when you're in your 30s or 40s. It's just, you know, there's there's just different dynamics at play. Um, uh, Betty says, I agree. The gifts were a big hint. The relationship was sexual, but it still hurts. Agreed. It really does. Um, it and totally but, does. But it's right. It was also fairly new because if you remember in the beginning of the story, um, when when she's getting ready and when he's getting ready to give her these things to return, mm -hmm. that's when she found out that, you know, this woman had gone off with the American as, as opposed to coming with him. So it was fairly new for him. Well, and honestly, relationship. The, the way that was done just was cruel. I mean, that was just, just, it just demonstrated the type of person she is. It, it just was horrible. Um, Nicholas glared into his champagne glass, saying that she had broken their arrangement by engineering the paparazzi photos to bring thing, break things off. I mean, she did not even have the courtesy to tell him, no. which is just terrible. Personal foul on that move. Nicholas did not know if the American was an asset that was being worked or if her heart was involved, as she did not have much of a heart. Nicholas actually thought the latter. He threw his glass back quickly and then signaled the waiter for another vodka tonic. And I and, want to and, welcome someone to the chat room. Uh, Bluebird yes. Green, welcome. Uh, welcome. So join us. Oh my gosh. Hello, hello. We're talking about chapter 43 of The Man in the Black Suit. Um, we're actually at a very uh, intense part of the chapter because Nicholas just revealed that he really did not know that he was um, being dumped until there was a very public display at this point. Um, Betty said, I'm sure Nicholas doesn't want to picture Acacia with Luke in bed, even though it's in the past, it still hurts. Yeah. That's and true. I mean, it's that, it's that realization there are people before you, and it's tough. Mm -hmm. um, so hello, Bluebird reading. Um, you know, Nicholas was really hurt by this. And Acacia whispered to him that she was sorry. But this only helped her feeling of horror grow. I mean, she really, this was really affecting her, this news. Mm -hmm. So when the, cater, when the waiter came back, she placed her napkin on the table and asked to be excused. Um, the waiter pulled her chair out and Nicholas's eyes were stormy. And at that point, um, we are really feeling for Nicholas at that moment. Um, I actually think he may have been afraid she was running. Um, Kurt followed Acacia to the ladies' room and stood outside the door. And she leaned against the vanity and asked herself, what the hell am I doing? And yes, Betty, I agree. This is like opening Pandora's box. Yeah, I, it's tough. Those positions where you now all of a sudden all this information that you may not have wanted to hear is hit you. Right. And it's information overload, I think, yeah. too. It's yeah. like, it's not just the information. It's just, it's something that she never, I think, never in a million years expected. Mm -hmm. You know, he just told her that he had hired a spy to be his mistress. And he continued paying her even after they started having sex. So that was questionable, especially since she was so adamant about not being on his payroll 
when they started becoming intimate. You know, so I think there's that juxtaposition at play too. And, you know, she wondered if the women who had checked in with him at the Victoire were all high-priced escorts. You know, she's, you know, questioning, has he always been like this? Has he always paid for companionship? Um, as Betty says, the big revelation made her wish Nicholas had stayed in Acacia's apartment instead of going out. I, You know what? I agree that I feel like this was still going to come up. I, it all was going to come up because Nicholas had one. I think he has these cigarettes and, you know, Acacia has been revealing herself to him. And I feel like he f wanted to reveal himself to her in order to become closer. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think he's really moving towards uh, increased intimacy with her because he's so taken with her. Um and he wants to be honest, and he doesn't want secrets between them anymore. Um, so she turned to look in the mirror. She saw the dress that Nicholas bought her. She thought about the apartment that was redone with his mother's help and the fact she's eating a dinner that he's paying for. And, you know, she, cons she thinks to herself, what's the difference between uh, me and Silka or me and Yasmin? you know, and she's kind of struggling with this. And then she has this aha moment, this revelation that, you know, the difference is affection, you know, mm -hmm. she truly cared for Nicholas and it, her, her love and well, her care and affection was given freely. Um, it's, it, it was, that was a very profound moment. I think. I think so too. And while, it's not said about Nicholas at this point. I think Nicholas has that as well. And I think the right. revelations he's coming up with is, scare, is scaring him. Mm -hmm. She would love. I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think his, his feelings for her are so intense mm -hmm. that it is kind of shocking to him what he's willing to reveal to her especially after he's so used to hiding under his mask. That's true. And, and Betty, Betty was saying that uh, the revelations made her wish that Nicholas had stayed in Acacia's apartment instead of going out. Uh, mm -hmm. They needed the privacy in order to talk about uh, this delicate topic. Delicate. True. Although I, I think, I think they are fairly private at their table, but I, I know what you're saying, Betty. I get it. You know, and, and I think at this point, in a way, it might have been good that they weren't in the apartment because she could step away and go to the ladies' room and kind of regroup. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, as she looked at herself in the mirror, she saw a woman living a life of fraud, a woman who lived in fear. She did try to come to him as an equal and not as a codependent. Excuse me, guys. Um, she could tell herself that she was lonely when he came to her room, but that wasn't the only reason. You know, there was more to it. It wasn't just her loneliness that drew her to him. And, you know, anyone reading that could know there was definitely something. There was some something there that was not able to be denied. You know, Akasi was not ready to call this love, but what she felt for Nicholas was powerful and deep. 
He was in her heart and she felt extremely angry with Silka because she had wounded him so badly. It's true. Mm hmm. It's so true. You know, I, she has been through a lot and now she, she's hidden herself so much that I think, right. that, and, you know, she, she wasn't thinking that she could be like Yasmin, but in some circles it could resemble Yasmin. I think she was told that, about that as well. And, but, you know, she accepts the fact that it's the affection. I just wish she could uh, turn around and say she loved him. I mean, it may not right. be the time yet. But. You know what, though? I felt the same thing, and I think I, I peppered one of the SR questions was one of, was about that, you know. And he never really you know. answered that. <clears throat> no, no, because, you know, he, he I think that's going to come in a later chapter, but you know, Betty mentioned Acacia has a pure heart while Silka does not. Mm-hmm. What Acacia and Nicholas have is strong and real. I, and I think really what's holding Acacia back in terms of loving Nicholas is just her fear. fear you know, being caught by her father and stuff. Yeah, you know, fear from being caught by her father, fear from allowing herself to have that happiness because she's been in hiding for so long. And she's never you know, fear. She right and fear from being close enough to someone to have that intimacy, um, that she's kind of attaching herself to someone. Whereas before, you know, it was just about her, and if she had to fly at three in the morning and run away, that she could. And you know, now she's kind of uh, making bonds with Nicholas in a way because they're just so so connected. Um, and I also think that deep feeling was why she felt so, so angry um, for Nicholas, uh, you know, on behalf of Nicholas against Silka. Um, and the fact is that the truth about Silka stung, you know, but seeing Nicholas ashamed and in pain was a really ugly thought. And it was far more troubling because, you know, remember, she had Nicholas on a, on a pedestal Um a lot of the time, you know, his honor and his decency, um, she often, you know, truly admired that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was totally incensed by Silka's betrayal of him. Um, Akase had no right being angry with Nicholas. Um, and I don't think she held anger towards him. You know, she realized they both had hidden things and tried to find a human connection while preserving their secrets. You know, hers was with Luke, his was with Silka. Hers was um, more of an organic relationship, and his was a paid business transaction, Um, which, you know, it's still different, though, because he was engaged with her on a business level first, and then that developed into something sexual where... You know, it's not like he was directly paying her for sex. It wasn't that kind of a thing. Um, I think that just kind of evolved. But it just, the fact that they were in a paid relationship, I think, really makes, brings kind of shame to Nicholas. And I think he's really embarrassed by that. And the fact he cared about her, and then she turned around and burned him like that. You know, it's just awful. Um, So Akasi was trying to pull herself together. She fixed her makeup, 
combed her hair, and left the ladies' room. And Kurt was waiting for her outside, Kurt being always reliable, always vigilant, and always a dear friend. Um, not truly, because, you know, he, he was very professional and held his distance, but I think Kurt was seen by Acacia as someone that she could be friendly with. Right. And she could see his concern when she uh, and uh, exited the ladies' room, and he asked if she was okay should I take you home? He could tell Rick if she wasn't feeling well. And she said, no, Kurt stood aside and let her walk back to the table. And as they approached, Nicholas stood and his mouth and jaw were tight. And we'll talk about the rest of the chapter next week. Next week. <laughs> oh, so good. It's such a good chapter. It is a good chapter. I mean, yeah. And Betty, you know, Betty noted she completely understands where Acacia is coming from. And I do, too. I do, too. I mean, that's, they're dealing with some powerful emotions. They are. And I also wondered if Nicholas wasn't feeling the little, a little bit, you know, the boss employee thing with someone, mm -hmm. too. Um, because, you know, like... A lot, especially, I guess, because it's been so brought to light the last couple of years, the whole Me Too movement and right and all that. <clears throat> um, because there, there were relationships that happened. Some of them are good between mm. uh, work, co-workers and different, you know, levels of employment. But I, you know, I, I wondered if that played into it a little bit for him. I, yeah, I wonder. And, you know, as Lori said, it is so good. And Bluebird Reading agreed, really good. Mm -hmm. And Joni says, my favorite book. It's, it's really, really, it's just, it's, I agree. I agree, ladies. This chapter was just so juicy um, and so emotionally packed. And as Betty says, Kurt's so kind. I'm glad it was him and not Rick. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. I like her. You know, I do too. Yeah, he's endearing. Mm -hmm. um, and as Betty says, so many layers. It's, it's really like peeling true. An onion between the mm -hmm. two of them. You know, they, they're, they're taking off all their protective layers until they are fully naked to themselves. And I right. Not necessarily literally, but figuratively. Right. Um, and they can really connect with each other. So, oh my! Deeply so, emotional. It is. It is. So we will be back next week at again five o'clock, uh, and we'll finish off this chapter. So Absolutely. I, I am so looking forward to see what happens next. I am too. As Joni says, they really see each other, but just need time to get there, as we know. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, yes. And Betty yes, says, yes. naked and vulnerable. Absolutely. So good. It's just so good. Thank you, ladies. Kenzie said, Has a good, have a good day. Betty says, great show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad so many of you could join us on this April afternoon. If you're in our time zone. Um, yeah, this it's such a good chapter. I'm excited that we can continue it next week. I am too. Um, I am too. Really, really happy that we can get together. So, so 
I'm going to leave you with a little Roy Hargrove, excellent jazz musician, uh, doing Strasbourg and St. Dennis. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy. <laughs>